0: has risen. Amen. Amen. This morning I'm hoping my voice rises from the dead. So we'll see how long that that lasts. But hope is an interesting word, isn't it? Hope is a word that we throw around and it's everywhere, and I think that's because we live in a world where we sometimes wish we had more hope. Where we don't have a lot of hope. Sometimes personally as we go through life and life sort of beats us down and and we maybe lose jobs or have financial difficulties or or just relational issues we gradually lose hope and we can shrivel up we look at the world and we wonder is there hope is there hope in this world and there is but we we you know one of the things that i sometimes hear is what kind of world are we leaving for our kids have you ever thought about that i have kids i'm raising kids and i think about man, it seems like things are just going downhill and it's easy to drop into hopelessness. And I think that's why we're so intrigued at this concept of hope. As the video said, sin has often robbed us of our hope. We sang about that in several of the songs that sin can can keep us in bondage, keep us in hopelessness. But today he is risen and it proves that there is a hope that is beyond the world's understanding. We want to explore that today. I want to explore hope and the different ways that we use hope and, and the the idea of what does the resurrection, how does the resurrection prove that we have hope that will never end? Hope that we carry with us beyond Easter, beyond this morning. You know, the worship team did a wonderful job of of having us worship through the whole weekend, right? We worshiped through the cross and we worshiped through the emotion of the cross and by his stripes We are healed, but then we worship through the resurrection, and we celebrate, and it's a happy day because our sins are paid for, and we move from hopelessness to hope. But think about how do we use hope? A couple questions for you, or a question for you. What are things you hope for? You guys can talk. Raiders Super Bowl. Bowl. And so we have different kinds of hope, right? We have wishing and hoping. <laughs> Someone else, what do we hope for? For our, kids to grow up knowing God. for our kids to grow up knowing God. Oh, we long for that, don't we? Can we guarantee it? No, we can't. But we hope for it. Someone else. Health. Health. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We hope for health, and and we, we so we have things we hope for. Um, any of the kids here, what do you hope for? Like, wait a minute, I don't know how to answer this. Anyone, what do you hope for? Anyone can answer. The kids aren't going to answer me. <laughs> what was that? A dog. A dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what my kids hope for. And we have crushed that hope. Now, <laughs> you know, so we have different ways we use hope. We were praying as a family last night and my daughter, yes, I'm, I'm, I've gotten their permission, so I don't have to pay them for, for saying this. My daughter's praying and she goes, Lord, please, please help my brothers to stop messing with each other. I've gotta say, and I know we probably shouldn't during prayer, but Susie and I just start chuckling. We, we start laughing because that's wishing and hoping. That's, um, that's something that, um, is beyond maybe what we'd think. And, and, and so when we talk about hope has risen, we often can mistakenly come to the phrase thinking of hope as this, this hoping for something that might or might not happen. This, this wishing and hoping regardless of the odds. Webster has two definitions for hope. One is to want something to happen, to be true, or, or the second is to expect with confidence. And that second is what, what we want to talk about today. Because hope is, is more, hope in the Bible is more than the, just wishing and hoping. It's more than a blind optimism. Sometimes people have hope and it doesn't matter what's happening. They're like, it'll be okay. Life is good, and, and that is not true hope. True hope that we see in Scripture is knowing something to be true and having confidence that we look forward in faith because it's true. Lee Strobel defined hope in, the, in Scripture as a confident expectation that God is willing and able to fulfill the promises He has made to those who trust Him. See, we can have hope In any circumstance because we absolutely know God is at work. We can have hope in God's promises and that keeps us from fear and despair. If I had to sum up sort of how we want to use hope this morning, it's a way of looking at life that reflects a confident assurance that God is in control. It's a way of looking at life that reflects a confident assurance that God is in control. And then that is so important, the different parts of that, because if it's not part of a way of looking of life, if it's not part of who we are, it's not hope. We don't believe it. If we're still in the dumps and in despair, it's not hope. And so today's theme is hope has risen. Not some blind faith or, or wishing and hoping, but a confident assurance that because of the work on the cross, confirmed by the resurrection that we celebrate this morning, that God is at work and he's at work in our lives. I'd like to explore six ways this morning that the resurrection gives us that hope. And we'll just go through them quickly for those that that just shuddered like, oh no, six points. But turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's a black one under the seats around you. We invite you to pull that out and follow along. If you're not sure where First Peter is, if you have the Black Bible, it's page 1014. That's where we'll be this morning. But I'd love for you to follow along so you know that I'm not just making this stuff up. But God gives us hope because Christ has risen. First Peter chapter 1. If I had to summarize sort of the theme verse of this whole first section... It's verse 3. So start with verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And right there we see hope and the resurrection are tied together. In fact, the reason we have a living hope is it comes through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that's worth exploring, right? How does the resurrection this morning give us that hope? And and one of the things I want you to notice, and if it's your own Bible, you can highlight and underline the word living. Hope isn't a dead hope, but it's a living hope. When I think of that, it's something that's real, that's not fake, it's not dead. It has vitality to it. This is why we should get excited about the resurrection. This is why we should celebrate this morning. You know, we sang happy day and there was so much energy and there should be because this is a living hope that we have. A living hope affects us. It affects our pattern of life. And so how does this living hope, how does the resurrection contribute to this living hope? The first thing I want you to look back is notice is look back at the verse right before. He's talking about that he's writing to those that are saved, to the elect exiles of all these places he mentions. But then in verse 2, he says, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for the sprinkling with his blood. And that last phrase, the sprinkling of his blood, lets us know how we can enter into this hope, right? That sprinkling of blood was the payment for our sins. It referenced the sacrifice that Jesus gave and he became the final, the ultimate, the complete sacrifice that paid for our sins. That gives us point number one. We know our sins are fully paid for. We have confident hope because of the resurrection because we know our sins are fully paid for. Sin is conquered. Amen? I wish I could get a little more excited about some of these points with my voice, but um, just picture. (laughs) And a lot of amens will help build that excitement. Let me read 1 Corinthians 15, 17 through 19. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Catch that? No resurrection, still in sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life, only we are of all people most to be pitied. The whole chapter of 15, and we studied that a couple of years ago, talks about the resurrection and the hope of the resurrection. And here we see that the resurrection is tied to whether our sins are paid for in verse 17 there. So let, let, let me sort of explain this to you. We know from Romans six twenty three that the wages of sin is what? It's death. And by that, he's meaning separation from God not the first time we sin, boom, we're dead physically, but we are dead spiritually and separated from God. That's the wages for sin. Jesus paid for our wages, right? He took the penalty for our sins on himself. If he's still dead, what does that mean? He's still paying for our sins. They're not completely taken care of yet. He still has that separation from God but the resurrection proves that sin was paid for. The wages are done. The the consequences are completely taken care of. And that's exciting. Because if he's still dead, either he was a sinner and he's still paying for his own sins, or he, he just wasn't enough for all of our sins, or God didn't accept his payment. If he's still dead, sin wins. But this morning... We celebrate that our sins are completely paid for. Because he's not still dead. The tomb is empty and he has risen. Proving once and for for all that our sins have been paid for. Not they will be paid for. Not they are being paid for. They have been paid for. Now, most of the time we, we take great hope in this and we think of the future, right? Well, that means I can go to heaven. That means my sins are paid for and I can be with God for all eternity. And that's true. That's absolutely true. And that's that in verse 18 and 19, hope for the next life. But let me, let me think about something this morning. The hope that our sins have been paid for, that they have been defeated also affects me today. It also affects me tomorrow because now that means I do not have to be in bondage to sin. Do we still sin? Yes. But I don't have to be under its control. God has given me every tool with the Holy Spirit inside me, with his word, to be able to defeat sin. That means I am no longer dirty. I am no longer tainted. I am forgiven. I am clean. I am not trapped. The habits of sin do not control me anymore. I can go to God. I can see his victory in my life. See, when, when we think of hope versus hopelessness, Satan would like to convince us, you are trapped in your sin. You will never overcome that. And I know full well, there's sins we struggle with, right? Every one of us struggle with specific sins, but this gives us hope that God can help us overcome that. That is not the end. And Satan wants to say, I have you trapped, just give up. He also wants to... to keep us thinking that we are mired in our sins, that we are dirty, that we are unworthy. And because of the resurrection, Jesus says, no, you are not because of you, but because of me, because I have taken care of that sin. When we wallow in our sin, when we continue to give in to that, we're challenging the resurrection. We're challenging that that sin has been paid for. How dare we? We have the hope of forgiveness. We have the hope of knowing sin has been defeated. And that bondage is gone. That guilt is gone. And that's another weapon Satan will use. He wants to keep us dwelling on our past, right? And what we've messed up and what we've blown. And Jesus says, what do you mean? I took that on the cross. I proved it was done in the resurrection That guilt is gone. You are not condemned before God. Why allow yourself to be condemned before anyone else? This isn't a wishing and hoping. This is an absolute confidence that sin is taken care of. The resurrection proves that. The next thing we know and and the next way that the resurrection gives us hope is what we often think of. We know death is not the end, and we will forever live with God. Death is conquered. It's done. And so what? this life is not all there is. When I die here, that's not the end because I know that from the resurrection. Let's read on in the First Peter passage, starting at verse 4 that you have in front of you. We have this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And verse 4 should make you smile. It is an awesome description of eternal life to an inheritance, to a future life with God that is imperishable, it'll never end, that is undefiled, it'll never be tainted or stained, that is unfading, it'll be just as incredible the first day of heaven as the infinite day of heaven that we are with God. Kept in heaven for you, it's his strength that protects it. The resurrection proves according to this and according to God's word that we have this inheritance. You know, we could, we could go with the wishing and hoping again, and we hear people say, oh, I hope I'm, I'm reincarnated as, I don't know, something, a dog that we're wishing for. <laughs> or I hope I've done enough to earn God's grace. Or I, I hope that I've gone to church enough, or I hope that I've paid for my sins enough. And what these verses remind us is there's a living hope in the resurrection that says you will be with me forever. Doesn't matter, you will be with me forever if you just repent and believe on me. See, I know my sins are paid for. I know my inheritance is promised because I know God is so powerful he can raise his son from the dead. And so we know that there's a confidence of eternity that nothing can spoil. That living hope, that knowing that there's nothing that can spoil that, that that's, that's something that will change our outlook. It should change how we live. This next week, if you go through the week saying, oh man, I just don't even know if God's pleased with me. I don't even know if I'm right with God, if there's a future for me you'll live a certain way, right? You may try hard and have all kinds of good works and there's this fear though. But if you know that your future is secure with God, there is a a, a gratitude that comes from that. There is a desire to follow God, not because I'm afraid, but because he is incredible and he is loving and he is righteous and he is holy. Just look at the next few verses because this whole passage is about this living hope from the resurrection. And the next few verses talk about how this changes how we live now, how this affects us. In verse 6, in this you rejoice, in this living hope, in this inheritance that God has given, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And the first thing we see is knowing that this life is not all there is, that we have an eternity with God, helps us get through difficult times. Because any difficult time here is temporary. It will pass. And we know that whether we're dealing with sickness or loss of job or all kinds of pain, that this isn't all there is. We have an eternal future with God where all that will be done. And so Peter says, in this you rejoice in the resurrection because you know that there's something beyond this life. In verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we see that when we hold this hope, when we have this outlook, it results in praise and glory and honor. The revelation of Jesus Christ there is referring to when he comes back because of the resurrection, because we know he's alive, we know he's coming back. It would be really foolish to talk about the second coming of Christ if he was dead in the grave. And there would be no hope. And Peter's reminding us he's coming back. And so even through testing, we can give hope and praise and glory and honor. In verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And and the... the promise of life with him, of eternal life, this valuable inheritance makes love well up within us. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. You rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. That's why it's okay to rejoice as we sing this morning because that should be our response to the living hope. Oh, what a beautiful way We see this hope of an inheritance change us. All through scripture, we see the the idea of of God's salvation and, and this blessed hope corresponding to we should live differently. We should live as people with hope. I'm amazed when I talk to people or visit people in the hospital and maybe people who I look at and say, man, your circumstances are dire. And, and I hear nurses and doctors and people say, I, I, I can't understand it. They are just so hopeful. They are joyful. And it's because their hope isn't in their health. Their hope is in a living God who rose from the dead, who says, This is not all there is. There is something other than this life that we live for. Finally, when we think of this hope and we think of the, the hope of a, an eternal inheritance, the resurrection helps us know that because if God raised Jesus, we know He can raise us. If God can't raise Jesus, you have no hope after this life. You'll be dead and stinking for a long time. But because God proved He could raise His Son that took on the sins of the whole world, He could raise any of us. That's trivial. And so that gives us an assurance. See, this isn't a wish and hope, and this is an assurance. I know God raised Jesus on this Easter so long ago. I know he will raise me, and I have a future with him. In 1 Thessalonians 4.14, we read, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And it doesn't just mean the people falling asleep here. He's talking about death. He's talking about those that have died. And he says we know because Jesus rose again, He's going to come and bring the rest of those that have died. And we can go on and on with with verses about this. There are so many. But but I, I, th- I think as I, I think of how this works out, I think of Revelation one when we see Jesus in His glory show up. And it says, I hold the keys of death and Hades. And he's saying, I have the authority over something as, as significant as death. Death that we don't have authority over. We, we fight and we look for ways to extend our life. But we can't beat death. We never have and we never will. But Jesus holds them in his hand. He has authority over those. Isn't that a great confidence that he can raise us from the dead? Amen. See, him proving that he can do it proves that he will do it. Because he's promised that he will. It proves that he can do it. An illustration I've used before, but I think it really fits here. If I stand up here and say, I have a plan to make you a multimillionaire. And for only $99 and three easy installments, I can share that plan with you and you will be a multimillionaire. Now you could hope in that, right? But what's the question you should ask me? I'm going to assume you said, are you a millionaire? And I look at you and say, well, no, no, none of this has worked for me. But I have a different plan. And for $99 and three easy payments... Would you buy that? No. You'd be silly to buy that. You'd be foolish. That would be a false hope because it's a hope in someone that can't do it, that hasn't proven they can do it. So the resurrection gives us hope because it guarantees eternal life with God. Oh, that should make us sing and be excited. Third way that the resurrection gives us hope Is the resurrection solidly confirms that our hope in God is well placed? This ties into the last one, and these all sort of weave together, but the resurrection solidly confirms that our hope in God is well placed. I could hope in this this stand to save me, and I'd be a fool, but my hope in God is well placed because with the resurrection, He's proved Himself. He's proved that He has power and authority. He's proved that he keeps his word, that he will do what he has said he will do. In First Peter, the, the passage there, start at verse 13. And we're, we're skipping around a little bit, but down in verse 13, therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ down in verse 21, and we've already read verse 3, but 21, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith, your trust, your belief, and your hope are in God. I have this one in here because the the message I want to say loud and clear this morning is it is reasonable and it makes sense to have faith in God. In fact, I would argue he is the only one that is it is reasonable to have faith in. Because he is the only one that has kept every word and every promise, and the resurrection proves that. To be sober-minded in verse 13 means to be clear-headed, right-thinking. And Peter says, if you're clear-headed and right-thinking, you'll set your hope on God because of the resurrection. In verse 21, God raised him so that your faith and your hope are in God. There's a causative effect there. Because God raised him, we know that we can believe in who God is. See, the resurrection confirms that Jesus is who he claimed to be. If he's still dead in the grave, this whole thing of I'm the son of God here to take away your sins means nothing. But he's not because he is alive and he is God. And it proves that. Romans 1.4, Paul says that when he says, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's all kinds of talk about, well, there's lots of ways to heaven. Lots of ways to salvation. Lots of gods. And as long as you believe in your God and are sincere about it, you're there oh village, there is only one God and only one God who has raised his son from the dead. The rest are dead. This proves that. It's why we have hope and assurance in what we believe. A couple of other thoughts about the, the confirming that our, our trust and our hope in God is well placed. The resurrection shows that there is a God and he's willing to intervene. He's willing to, to intervene to bring healing and forgiveness to a cursed world. If if you've been with us through Isaiah, you know God is moving from the curse to the new heavens and new earth. He is reversing the curse. And this weekend so long ago is the center point to that. The payment for sins and then the resurrection proving that it is done and it is finished. One last thought on that. If God can raise the dead, and we know he is God, and he has that kind of power, he can handle any situation you go through. Thanks. He can handle any situation you go through. So why do we worry? The resurrection settled who's in control. Settled who has the power. Trust him. The resurrection solidly confirms our hope in God is well-placed. Fourth way, the resurrection gives us hope, an eternal hope, is we can know that God's power is at work in our life now. We can know that God's power is at work in our life now. Think of the whole flow of this chapter. The whole flow from verse 3 all the way to the end in verse 21 is the resurrection and the hope that we have in Christ. But intermixed with this is our commands that talk about that we should live holy lives, that we should by his power live for him. Look at verse 5. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Jump down to 14. And he just talked in 13 about the hope and hope fully in God. And he says, okay, so since you have that hope as obedient children, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Let go of the sinful ways of this world. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. See, the resurrection means not only that God is powerful, but that his power applies to yours and my life. We have commands to be holy, and we can say, I I don't know if I can do that. I I don't know if I can live for God. Hogwash. He, he, He rose his son from the dead. And that same power, that same power is working in us. Listen to this out of Ephesians 1 having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope you have been called to. So he ties in the hope here. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Did you catch what he said in 19 and 20 there? He said, what is the immeasurable greatness of the power toward us who believe? According to his great might that he he raised his son from the dead with. And the Holy Spirit through Paul is saying that same power that, that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is the power that I have in you to help you live for me. To help you be lights in this dark world. Oh, this should motivate us. This should challenge us. How does the resurrection gives us hope? It reminds us that that same power that we can't understand of raising from someone from the dead is the power we have access to every day if we would just rely on God, if we would just turn to him. Two other thoughts from some other places in scripture in five and six. The fifth way that the resurrection gives us hope is we know that Jesus is alive and with us today. We know that Jesus is alive and with us today. And we, we read all kinds of verses, right, that say we should live in Christ. It's one of Paul's themes in all his writings. Be in Christ. We see verses that say we should be with Christ. If he's still dead in the grave, I don't want to be with him. I don't want to be in him. Those, those passages make no sense if he's not alive. But the resurrection gives us hope that Jesus is alive and he's with us and we are living in him. And there's relationship there. I am not abandoned. I am not alone. In Romans six, we read, we were therefore buried, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. Did you catch that? With him. There's a relationship there. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. He is with us for all eternity. And so we see so much in those verses. We see a walking that is, is our life is in tune with God. We see living with him that relationship and we see the permanence of that relationship. Guys, walking with God isn't the hopelessness of saying, oh, I have some faraway God that I hope I appease. Walking with God says, I am with Christ and he is alive and in me. And I am not alone. That is so comforting. That brings so much hope. The last point is something that we saw a little bit in Isaiah 53, and this is my favorite one. They're all my favorite, but this one has just really impacted me. The resurrection gives hope because we know that the living Savior is interceding for us right now and forever. Did you catch where it says, Jesus? several scriptures say, God exalts him and brings him where? To his right hand. Well, what's Jesus doing at the right hand of God the Father? He is sitting there talking about you and talking about me. And he's saying things like, that's my son. That's my daughter. And the accuser comes and says, no, no, they're scum. And Jesus says, no, 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 I paid for that. And he is an advocate, scripture says, an intercessor for us, standing in on our behalf. There's so many verses that talk about this in Romans 8, 34 and 35. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And he goes on to talk about that. Think about this. Think of a courtroom where you're the accused and you have an advocate who is God almighty the son of god who was raised from the dead and who is alive now and he is the one speaking on your behalf that is amazing you know we 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 know a, a glimpse of this at work say you have a conflict at work or you present a proposal and a, a coworker comes along or a higher up comes along and says that's a good idea let's do that that feels good right It's like, wow, someone's speaking on my behalf. That's nothing compared to what Jesus is in heaven doing for you right now. Because he is speaking on our behalf. He is interceding for us. A word sometimes that we we don't use that much, but interposing for us. Stepping into the middle. The Resurrection gives us hope because it proves and, and it tells us that Jesus is at the right hand of God. Interceding for us. You know, a, a hymn, one of my favorite hymns, has these words He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. And that word there saying is he took his blood and he got in the middle of the accuser and God and he made us clean. And he is still interceding for us today. Six ways that the resurrection gives us hope, a hope that lasts beyond Easter, a hope that goes through the today. And, and, and I end by asking you, where is your hope? What do you hope for? Is your joy this week going to be if you get a dog or because Jesus rose from the dead and guarantees your sins are taken care of and guarantees you have inheritance and guarantees that God is God and the son of God, Jesus Christ is God that guarantees he is interceding for us, that guarantees he is the one changing us from the inside out, man, that's a permanent hope that should get us excited. Take Easter with you. Take it with you in the form of hope, knowing that because Christ is raised, because he is raised, we have a living hope. Hope is risen. It is not dead. Let's celebrate that now. Lord God, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the resurrection. That we know that this is a living faith and we have a living hope. And Lord, help us to be people that live like that. that The world can see there is something different because Jesus is alive. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name.